all been called to be spiritually sharp, not dull, alert, not asleep, effective, not ineffective, influential. We're called to be an exclamation point, not a question mark. Amen? And so we're learning to keep the cutting edge. And one way we keep the cutting edge on our spiritual life is fighting the good fight. Let's look at it. One brief verse, 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. He fought something. He finished something. He kept something. That's the call on every believer. Father, thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts, and we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Now, will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, help me to keep the fight? That is the good fight, and to be spiritually sharp in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Before I get into this, let me remind you, we're starting our series on Revelations on June 3rd. Out in the foyer, I'm sure you noticed that large poster hanging off the ceiling uh, talking about that Revelation series. It's going to be a life changer. Uh, People have a huge curiosity right now about what in the world is going on in this country and in this world. What in the world is going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. Prophecy. God's Word is being fulfilled. And I've never felt that Revelation was more relevant than I do right now. And in getting ready for it, I've gotten excited, I've gotten moved, I've had to get up, pace around a while and get back to the Word because it so moved me and it's going to move you. And uh, Ron, if you could turn the AC up a little bit, I'm seeing some of our women cold and ladies, I care about you and I feel your pain. And so Jeff, if you could turn that up, I don't want you to be too cold in here because I'm about to preach hot. All right? All right, now, what we just read is Paul's uh, swan song. Paul is just about to be martyred. He actually was martyred by decapitation. He knows that his time is coming to a close, and so he gives you and I a summary of his life. Now, what he gives us a summary of his life is what all of us ought to be able to have on, as our epitaph. This is what he said about his life. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course, and I've kept the faith. He's saying, I had a race to run, I had a fight to win, and I had a faith to keep. Every one of us here today have a race to win. We've got a fight that we need to fight. We've got something that we need to finish, a faith to keep. This is God's call on every one of us. The most important thing we do is run that race, fight that fight, and keep that faith. If you've been around me long at all lately, you know that I'm talking quite a bit about a lot of the church in our country is giving up the fight. They're not fighting the good fight anymore. They're giving up the Bible, giving up the blood, giving up the cross, caving into the culture, and they are not defending the faith once delivered to the saints. Saints, we're in a fight. We're in a battle. And the devil wants to take the teeth out of the church. The devil wants to take the fight out of our spirit. He wants to marginalize the church. And I'll tell you, if I have anything to do with it here, we will never be marginalized. As a matter of fact, the hotter the oven gets, 
the more we're going to preach and reach and teach and win people for Jesus Christ. I'm not going to give in to the culture. I'm not going to be changed by the culture. I'm going to change the culture. I'm not going to be changed by a culture that has rejected God, rejected Christ, rejected our values, rejected our morals, and is calling us right-wing, extremist, bigoted, ignorant, and slow. No, we are sharp. We know whom we have believed in. We are in a fight to the end. And one day soon, our Savior is going to split the sky and come back and we will ever be with the Lord. So we're not caving in to the culture. Paul ran his race. He fought a good fight. He kept the faith. Now, when he talks about running a race, what is the race? What is the race? The race is very simple. The race means I completed what God gave me to do on earth. That's the race. He said, I have run the race. The race, straight out of the Greek language, it means completing what God gave you to do on earth. Well, what has God given us to do? Well, we are called to show forth the praises of Him who called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. All of us have a course to run. We've got a race to win. He has given every one of us corporately something to do and individually something to do. We have a corporate calling and you have an individual calling. God laid His hand on you. Listen to what God told Paul his race was, and you can insert yourself in here. The Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus, knocked him on his face, and said, I have appeared to you for this purpose, for a purpose, to make you a minister, one, and a witness, two, both of the things which you have seen heretofore and the things that I will yet reveal to you. I've made you a minister, and I've made you a witness. You're a witness of what you already know, and there's more that I'm going to show you. And Paul, it's for this purpose I appeared to you. i got a newsflash for you, church. God appeared to you as an individual with a purpose. God never comes into our life. He never knocks on the door. He never calls us to himself. He never reveals himself to us, but what he's got a purpose, individual for us. You say, you telling me I'm called to be a minister? Yup. Matter of fact, my calling is to equip you to go do your calling. He gave some apostles, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints to do the work of ministry. So yes, you are absolutely called. You're as called as I am. It's just different. I'm called to equip. You're called to go do it. That's why I'm releasing you to go witness. I'm releasing you to tell your story because God appeared to you so that you could be a minister and a witness of what you have seen. Well, what have you seen? You've seen that Jesus died for your sins. What have you seen? You've seen the Holy Spirit is real. What have you seen? That God can set you free, break your chains, lift you out of the dirt, give you a new calling and a new hope, a new life, a future. He takes what is bad and makes it into something that is good. What have you seen? You have seen a revolutionary, life-changing, devil-stomping, God-glorifying Messiah in your own life. Now God says, go tell somebody about it. Go tell somebody about it. 
But now, to do that, you're going to have to fight a good fight. And this is what I want to home in on today. Paul had to fight a good fight in order to finish his course. He was fighting and finishing at the same time. He had to fight a good fight in order to finish his course. Now, I'm sure you'd agree with me, there are bad fights and there are good fights. Most fights are bad ones. They don't glorify God. They're not productive. They're fleshly. And most fights on this earth only lead to more fights. Most fights are fleshly, carnal, and don't really give glory to God, don't serve any purpose. So they're not good fights. But there is a good fight. A good one. The good fight is the fight of faith. That's the good fight. The fight of faith. And the good fight, the good fight glorifies God. It produces fruit. It defeats the forces of darkness. It brings about good. It says Jesus went about everywhere doing good, healing everybody that was oppressed of the devil. That's the good fight. When we have church and we praise God and we pray and we reach out and touch people and we go do battle against the forces of darkness, that's the good fight. There is a good fight. And we have not been called to a bad fight, but we have been called to fight a good fight with every fiber of our being. And it will take blood, it will take sweat, it will take tears, but it's a good fight. One time I was watching a, an Olympic race, and it was a track race. I was watching this track race on TV, and boy, I was watching this one runner. Well, really all of them, but one, one stood out for this particular reason. Uh, uh, what happened to this runner just jumped out at me and taught me a whole lot about the good fight, the fight that you're in. When you fight the devil, you're fighting a good fight. When you fight the flesh, you're fighting a good fight. When you win somebody to Christ, you're fighting a good fight. When you praise God, you're fighting a good fight. And I thought, what happened to this runner as he was rounding the track was such a picture of what the good fight is all about. Now, the first truth that I'm going to bring out about this runner may not sound very good, but what he experienced illustrates some great truths about the fight that you and I are in. While he was running at the front of the pack, all of a sudden, this runner somehow tripped as he was rounding the curb, and this runner fell. Now, he was running a good race. He was in there for a good cause, but he tripped and he fell. His foot slipped. I, I never could figure out what did it, but down he went, and the whole crowd gasped, and then I noticed, rather than stay down, this runner quickly got back up Again, now I'm talking to you today about the good fight of faith. I want you to hear me. Because here's a nugget for you. The good fight doesn't require a perfect fight. But the good fight does require a persistent fight. Guess what? Can I break some news to you today? You that are in the good fight, and that's most everybody in here, there are times you're going to trip and you're going to fall. Now here's the deal. What are you going to do about it when you trip and when you fall? Listen to the wise man out of the book of Proverbs. Solomon says the godly may trip. He may trip seven times. But the righteous, the godly, will get up again. He will get up again. When the righteous stumble and fall, they don't stay down. 
But listen to what he says about the wicked. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. One disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Now why is that? When, when, when those who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, when they experience a major catastrophe, you've seen it happen. We all observe it all the time in the news. It's everywhere. They have nothing to fall back on. When the, right, when the, the wicked fall, they've got nothing to fall back on. There's no faith. There's none of the power of the Holy Spirit within them. They have no ultimate hope to lean on. And so down they go. The sand that they have built their life on gives way underneath them. And Jesus said, your house is either built on a rock or it is built on sand. The rock is Jesus Christ and his teachings. The sand is, I can do it my way. I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. I don't need any of that religious stuff. But friend, if you don't build your life on Jesus Christ and his teachings, there will come a day when the sand opens up underneath you. You uh, uh, encounter a catastrophe or a problem of some kind. You've got nothing to hang on to. And you find that you have built your life on a house of cards and down they will go and Jesus said great is the fall of it but the righteous you in the good fight you've got an edge and here's what the edge is the edge is even if you trip and fall seven times you've got so many things working for you in the good fight God's grace is working for you amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see but that same amazing grace not only saves you but it sustains you it keeps you it holds you it does not let you go you may feel like you can't take another step but a amazing grace working on your behalf because you have come to God through Jesus Christ, that amazing grace will stand you back up on your feet. It'll stand you back up. But then you've got something else working for you. You've got the same power within you that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of resurrection. So when you go down, you're not out. The devil may be standing over you giving the count 10, 9, 8, 7. But he knows by the time he gets to 1, because he's seen it so many times before, you're going to be stood up by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't go down because he can't go down. The one who said it is finished is going to finish his work in you. And that's why the good fight is a winnable fight. You're going to rise again. Jesus rose again. You're going to rise again. If you stumble in the good fight, listen to David, unless the Lord had given me help, I would as soon have dwelt in the silence of death unless the Lord had given me help. When I said my foot is slipping, your love, O Lord, supported me. Thank God for the love of God. Thank God for the power of God. Those of you that are in the good fight, I know it's gotten bloody. I know it's gotten tough. I know some of you in here today are frustrated. Some of you are disillusioned and discouraged. Some of you feel like you've gone as far as you can go. Can I tell you something? Grace is going to pick you up. 
The Holy Spirit is going to breathe fresh life into you. You may be afraid you're going down and not getting back up. You can let that fear go. You are going to get back up, and you're going to more than get back up because you're more than a conqueror through Him who has loved you. You're going to finish what you have started. He who has begun a good work in you is going to complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. So those of us in the good fight, Listen, I'm going to finish and you're going to finish because the finisher lives in us. The righteous have a hope to look to, a love to hold to, and a power to lean to. The child of God is connected to a God who makes all things work together for the good, for those who love Him and are the called according to His purpose. He didn't say everything was good. He just said he's going to make everything that happens to you work together for the good. The devil can put together his greatest scheme and attack you from every side. But my God, who graced you in the beginning, who gave you the Holy Spirit when you believed, is going to take those attacks and turn them and work them out and give you a testimony. And what is a testimony? A testimony comes from a test and some moaning. And that's what a testimony is. But guess what? You're going to have a test. You're going to moan some, but you're coming out on the other side with a testimony. And what is his purpose for you? To go and witness to the power of this God who stands you on your feet. Somebody said the best way to go on after a failure is to learn the lesson and forget the details. I like that. The best way to go on after a failure is to learn the lesson and forget the details. And you know what? Only the forgiveness of God can allow you to go on forgetting the details but learning the lesson because the details are under the blood. And don't let the devil dredge up what God has forgiven. Don't let the devil torment you with what is under the blood. If it's under the blood, God can't remember it. Why should you? Amen. Ed Cole said, you don't drown by falling in the water, you drown by staying there. Will Rogers said, if you find yourself in a hole, first thing you do is quit digging. I like that. See, everybody's going to fall in the water. Peter sank in the water. But the key is don't stay there. And it's God's forgiveness and grace that makes it possible for you to avoid drowning in your mistakes and to go on with life. So you stumbled, so you tripped, so did this runner. But as soon as he could get back up, he did. And he joined the race again. And then I noticed something else about him. Once in the race, he refused to be pressured out of it. I noticed this. When he fell, the announcer immediately began to talk about how it was probably over for him. Here comes the announcer preaching his funeral. Said, yeah, uh, he's lost too much time. He's never going to catch up. Here comes the announcer. The crowd gasped. Everybody hung their head. You know there's always, folks, I don't know if you've noticed or not, there's always naysayers and gainsayers standing around when you stumble and make a mistake and fall. And there they are playing their violin. You got your ten spies. You got your Job's counselors. And they're there to let you know right off the bat all the reasons why you can't take the land, all the reasons why you can't go on, all the reasons why it's curtains for you, you might as well put up the white flag, ride into the sunset, and forget about it, because after all, you stumbled and you messed up. They're always there. And they're always going to try to convince you 
why you should not go on. But I want to tell you something today. Those people are liars who are not preaching and teaching and counseling out of the grace of God. The good fight says, though I stumble, I will fight my way back. God is there to help me. The word quit is not in my vocabulary. It's not in my dictionary. I don't believe in quitting. I believe in transitioning. I believe in changing, but I don't believe in quitting. Can I tell you, God will never tell you to quit. You say, oh, Pastor, isn't there a time when I should? No, there's a time where you ought to wait on God. He may transition you. He may bring some change. He may require some things of you. But you don't quit until you're in the grave. And then you go on to glory anyway. But while on earth, quit is not in the Christian's vocabulary. I'm not quitting with what's happening in the culture. I intend to hit it with everything we've got, to take the gospel out there and preach Jesus up and preach the devil down and let them know that he is alive and I don't think anybody ought to quit because of a failure. In the classic movie, Chariots of Fire, the champion sprinter, Harold Abrahams, was sulking over a first-time defeat. Finding his way to some nearby bleachers, after the race, he sat down and spiraled into depression and had a pity party. Seeing his condition, his girlfriend tried to lift his spirits. But he wouldn't be comforted. And here's what he said. If I can't fight, if I can't win, I won't run. To which she wisely replied, listen to this, but if you don't run, you can't win. Say, Harold, yeah, you lost the race. You suffered a defeat. But if you put up the white flag now and never run again, you're never going to have a ribbon. You're never going to have a trophy. You're never going to have a, a medal. You're never going to have a prize. If you don't run, you can't win. Wise words from a good... I hope he married that girl. And so you know what happened? He went on to win the 100-meter run in the 1924 Olympics and took home a gold medal. Thank God that when you suffer a defeat, don't say to yourself, well... I'm, if, if, if this is going to happen to me, then I'm just not going to run anymore. I just quit. I'm staying home. I'm picking up my marbles and going home. I'm not going to church anymore. I'm not going to pray anymore. You know what? You do that, you'll never win. You do that, you'll never see the devil defeated. You do that, you're going to lose everything. If you stumble and you fall and you suffer a defeat, you say, Lord Jesus, I receive the blood. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace, and I receive the power of the Holy Spirit. I intend to get back on the saddle and get back in the race, and I'm going to run to the finish, and I'm going to get my prize well done. Thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. In the good fight, you don't allow defeat and pessimism to pressure you out of the race. You just don't do it. I noted another thing, a last thing, about this man who stumbled and fell in front of the whole world. But he got back up. You know what I saw about him? What made him tick? What moved him? What had gripped his heart? What motivated him? He ran for his country, not for himself. 
the good fight is a good fight because of the cause you're fighting for. That's what makes the good fight a good fight. David said, is there not a cause? And I tell you today, church, is there not a cause? Is the devil not killing people every day? Is our country not sinking? Does it seem like darkness is taking over? Is there not a cause? Didn't Jesus die for us and rise from the dead? Is there not a cause? Didn't he love every single soul that perishes as we speak? Is there not a cause? Are we not to show forth the glory of God? Is there not a cause? We're fighting for the glory of God, the deliverance of others, the spread of the gospel, and the defeat of evil. It's a good fight because it's not about you. It's about Him. And that's what makes it a good fight. It's a good fight because it has eternal consequences and it brings eternal rewards. That's why it's a good fight. It's a good fight because we're part of a long and noble line of endless people who also fought the fight and have handed the baton to us in the greatest relay race in the history of the world. We stand on the shoulders of John Wesley, George Whitfield, Martin Luther, the apostles, the church fathers who ran their race and then handed the baton off. And now we're the runners. If you're fighting for yourself, it's going to end with yourself. If you're fighting for self-promotion, you will lose your promotion. If you're fighting for selfish gain or fame, you will lose the gain and lose the fame. But if it's his fight, the fight of righteousness, then it's the good fight. And you will not lose your zeal or your purpose. I want to end this today with a Memorial Day war story that illustrates exactly what I'm talking to you about. Desmond Doss was a member of the 1st Battalion, 77th Infantry Division of the Army in World War II. Desmond happened to be a deeply committed Christian. Because of his convictions, the Army made him a company aid man, which meant that uh, he was to help medical personnel. It was 1945, and in May of that year, his division was ordered to assault a 400-foot steep slope in front of an enemy fortification on the island of Okinawa. It was a vicious fight. Soon, 75 men fell to the enemy fire while the others fled for cover. All that is but Desmond Doss. While under intense fire, Doss single-handedly dragged and carried all 75 of the wounded and dead to the edge of a cliff and lowered them, 75 of them, to friendly forces below. That was on May 1st. May 2nd, he valiantly surged 200 yards through deadly rifle and mortar fire to rescue just one wounded man. On May 4th, he fought his way to the mouth of a cave to treat four wounded men, making four separate trips in order to drag them back to safety. On May 5th, he saved the life of an artillery officer. Later that same day, he saved another American life by crawling within 25 feet of the Japanese and dragging the man back a full 100 yards through intense enemy fire to safety. Then on May 21st, Desmond was seriously wounded in the legs by a grenade while helping an injured soldier. Most at this point 
would have called on another medical aid to relieve them, but he didn't. He waited five hours until the stretcher bearers reached them. On his way back, though, wounded, after waiting five hours for the stretcher, Doss noticed another soldier, more wounded than himself. He rolled off the stretcher and insisted they carry the other man to the air station. While waiting for the next stretcher, Doss was again wounded, sustaining a fractured arm. He used the stock of a rifle butt to split himself and proceeded to crawl 300 yards over rough terrain to the aid station, saving himself. In October of 1945, Desmond Doss stood before President Harry Truman who pinned the Congressional Medal of Honor on his chest. And he was asked, why in the world did you act so valiantly? What did it? He said, it was for my country. And he said to the President, I'd rather wear this Medal of Honor than be the President of the United States. You see, something bigger than him gripped him. If you can't find something bigger than you to live for, you're not living. And something bigger than you and I has got to grip us. And what is it? Is there not a cause? It's the cause of Christ. That's bigger than you, taller than you, deeper than you, wider than you. The Olympic athlete ran for his country. Desmond Doss fought for his country. But the Apostle Paul fought and died for his Christ. Folks, the hour is upon us that we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Has something bigger than you gripped you? I pray that if it hasn't, it does today. I pray that you are motivated by something beyond we four and no more. I pray that you're motivated by something that is more meaningful to you than yourself. We've all got a race to run, a fight to win, and a faith to keep. Let's do it, even as the coming of Jesus draws near. And I want to tell you, I am so grateful and thankful to the soldiers who gave their lives for something bigger than themselves. This right here. Do you see this? Young men who never had a wife. Right there. Right there. I got to close with a little piece written by, you can stay standing, I'm done. But I want to close with a little piece written by Father Dennis Edward O'Brien called, It is the Soldier. It is the soldier, not the reporter, who has given us freedom of the press. It is the soldier, not the poet, who has given us freedom of speech. It is the soldier, not the campus organizer, who has given us the freedom to demonstrate. It is the soldier, not the lawyer, who has given us the right to a fair trial. It's the soldier who salutes the flag, 
serves beneath the flag and whose coffin is draped by the flag who allows the protester to burn the flag. It's the soldier. Can I just be real blunt and not sound real pastoral for a minute? I think they ought to take flag burners and ship them to a communist country for a year. And not let them back in until they sing the Star Spangled Banner in three different keys. Because we stand on the shoulders of those who fought the good fight. Lord, we thank you today for Memorial Day that for so many is just another holiday, another work break. But Lord, for those of us who think and are aware, we are commemorating those who gave their blood, who never saw a family, never had children, never lived their lives out to protect us from dictatorship and tyranny and totalitarianism. Because of them, we're free to meet like this. I'm free to preach like this. And we're free to pursue our dreams. Lord, we thank you for those brave men and women. And I'm serious, Lord. Thank you for the freedom their blood purchased for us. And thank you, Lord, for the spiritual liberty your blood purchased for us.